Hello, Monetization Nation. Whether it's starting a business or investing in stocks, our endeavors often come with risks. According to the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics, approximately 20% of all new businesses fail during the first two years of being open. 45% fail during the first five years and 65% during the first 10 years. And as much as 90% of people lose their money in the stock market. These statistics may be discouraging, but risks can yield a big reward too. For example, when Whole Foods Market was created in the 1980s, the United States had less than six natural food stores. There wasn't evidence that there was a large enough market for natural and organic food. Despite its rocky start, Whole Foods was able to become the industry-leading grocery store chain for healthy food. Whole Foods Market now operates 472 stores worldwide with a net income of $245 million. Mark Zuckerberg said, the biggest risk is not taking any risk. In a world that is changing really quickly, the only strategy that is guaranteed to fail is not taking risks. Justin Hatch, my guest on this episode, has taken some risks in his career. Some of them have panned out while others didn't. However, in both failure and success, he learned from the chances he took. And he used the lessons he learned to create a successful business that helps others understand their endeavors and calculate their risks. Justin Hatch was a VP for ProFire Energy and helped take the company from four employees to 150. He was a CEO for Startigy, an idea development and business planning software company. Justin is now the CEO of Reach Reporting, a software made to absorb complexity and simplify financial reporting. He believes there are innumerable unsolved problems the world contains, and there are equally as many people that are looking at those problems with questioning eyes. In addition, he believes in finding and pursuing your passion. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. I would love to hear about uh, the Justin Hatch entrepreneurial journey. Will you tell me your story? Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, it's not that exciting. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, a lot of um, potholes. <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of uh, obstacles along the way. I started. I I was I was one of those kids that didn't do very well in school, and and so I didn't plan on going to college when I was graduating high school. It's amazing I, how common that is. Lots of entrepreneurs say that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That that was and that was a hundred percent me. I I was uh, I was I was the kid in school that uh, I struggled with with focus. I struggled um, with the system. I was I don't know. I, I depends on the day whether you know which excuse I make for myself. Uh, but ultimately, the system and I didn't mesh. Uh, and so when I was 21, I, I was given some counsel to go start a business. And I was probably also given counsel to, you know, go to Yale and also given counsel to do whatever. But the one that resonated, the one that stuck to me was go start a business. And, and so um, I knew how to paint. And so I, I went and started painting apartment buildings. 
and it uh, it actually was fairly lucrative for me. It was enormously hard work, and you know we would start painting at 5 p.m. at night uh, when when the uh, the place was vacant, and we we would paint through the night uh, until you know middle of the next day and that paint would dry by 5 p.m. the next night and and uh, they'd be showing the place already and uh, so you know it was it was very lucrative it was really hard work I call it a business um, it was the farthest farthest thing from or or if it was a business it was barely a business um, but it it fed my family. Um, I was able to get married and and start having kids on the uh, the salary that that it afforded me. And over time, uh, what I started to realize was that um, people wanted other services. And so I would go and I would be painting, and they would say, "Oh, well, do you can you do this drywall repair?" And you know, I would say, "No, but I can." try to figure it out. And they'd be like, oh, that's amazing. You'll get me out of this pinch. And I said, you know, it, it might not look pretty, uh, but then I would spend way too much time repairing the drywall. I'd go buy a whole bunch of tools. This is, this is the classic um, failure model. Uh, if, if you ever want to pattern a great failure after this, uh, please, you know, do, do all of these steps that I did. Uh, go and try to be everything for everyone and, and have all of the tools for that. And, and that, honestly, that's what I did. And I did it for a long time. And it, I just, I could never, I, I shouldn't say make ends meet because ends met, but just barely. Uh, but what, what I found was I was, because I didn't have a, a firm hold on my spending, I never was able to, to have anything more than just barely enough. And that actually led to reach reporting down the line. Um, I, I, a whole bunch of things happened and, and uh, I got into all sorts of different parts of construction and, and we were able to make it a little bit more of a successful enterprise uh, until I, I was uh, approached by an oil and gas company to come work for them and, and help them uh, get to the next level. Um, the, the one thing you and I know about ourselves and, and everybody I'm sure that uh, will ever be listening to this is th the uh, imposter syndrome is a very real thing where I'm the only one in the room that knows that I'm an imposter here in this room. And I hope you guys don't find out that I'm, I'm an imposter. And, and that syndrome is a very real thing. It's, it's something that I um, definitely dealt with in my, in my life. And so I was now hired on to be a VP for this oil, uh, oil and gas company that was public. I mean, it was on the, the OTC, but it was still a public business. And, and uh, so I worked my butt off. I uh, learned so much. For eight years, I actually went from being an imposter VP to actually somewhat of a VP. Uh, you know, I, I was present with them and, and I learned so many things. That was truly my college education. Additionally, I was going to school during that time, uh, getting an actual college education. So I was, I was, that was really preparing me for the next step. It's what took me from Canada down to the U.S., 
and what ultimately led me to starting REACH Reporting. Um, come uh, Q4 of 2014, I started to realize that uh, I was feeling like I didn't any longer fit with this business that I'd helped build. And so uh, at, at right after Christmas, I resigned uh, from working for that company. And my wife and I had a great little nest egg. We'd got some stock options and some, some equity and, and uh, we were able to have some cash to take us to the next level and to build a little business. And over time, uh, a very short period of time, over about a year, there's some, you know, scary stuff that happened. Uh, you know, we took some, took some, uh, losses with, with the stock and, and, uh, incentive stock options are, are a double-edged sword. And they were in that case for us, a, a big challenging thing. Um, we can't deny all of the, the blessings that we had, and we're indeed thankful for all of those things. But, uh, it was that, that year was, challenging. Uh, we lost so much value in the stock that I had to pay that year just south of $400,000 in taxes. Oh my goodness. And I didn't have any, I didn't have cash to show for it. I mean, this is one of the challenging parts of, of uh, this type of stock option is I had exercised when the stock was high and and plan to sell when it was higher and the stock plummeted. And so I still had to make up the difference. The IRS didn't care. They were, they were, uh, you know, not interested in trying to help me out. They were interested in me not breaking the law. And so we, we paid through the nose, you know, not having an income, we paid through the nose. Um, and as I, at that time, I still didn't know exactly what we wanted to do for business. And, and so I really started to reflect back on who I was at, as, as, a, as a young, ultra young, 21, 22, 23-year-old entrepreneur or entrepreneur. And I tried to think, okay, what things would really have helped 23-year-old Justin? What things would really have changed the game for him? And ultimately it came down to understanding of the information that I had. I did have it, but I didn't understand it. And so if I could have understood how much my expenses truly were, instead of always underestimating what the cost would be. And if I could have truly understood how much I was actually making and if I could have truly understood those ratios and those, those critical drivers and those metrics, then I would have been so much more of a successful entrepreneur. And so at that point I said, okay, is there a market there for something like this? Uh, it's certainly a shark bite. Is there a market for that? And so we started to look at that and, and uh, right about that time I brought on a, uh, a partner to, to help me out and, and, we sat in the, the basement of, of my house uh, on, a, on a big couch and, and we just threw out ideas uh, on, on what 
idea had legs uh, specific to the software and knowledge reporting, all of that stuff. And that's where Reach was born. It was, uh, it was in, in the basement. Uh, it was born out of the pain that I had endured uh, on, on being ignorant. Ignorance is not a bad thing, but it is a thing that we need to recognize. Uh, we need to recognize our ignorance. We are so much more powerful if we can understand how ignorant we are of something rather than being the one who thinks they know everything. Um, you know, the, the, there's always the saying, the more you know, the more you know how little you know. And what I think is powerful about that saying is as we gain education and as we gain knowledge in life, the, the more we realize how absolutely small we are in this world. It's the people who think they're the biggest thing in the world and, and they're the smartest that you got to pity just a little bit because they don't understand how big the world is and how amazing uh, the vast amount of knowledge there is. And so as we start to recognize that, it's, that humility affords us uh, an open mind. Being unwilling to recognize that makes it so that we identify ourselves as someone who already knows what is, uh, what's coming, knows, knows what's happening. That closed-mindedness will actually dramatically limit our success in life. And so we were, we were fortunate and, I mean, because of the, the nature of the experiences that we had had, we were fortunate enough to be able to recognize how little we knew and, and so reach then became something that solved a pain point for people, but in a way that enabled them to be so much more successful. And, and in that sense, we truly have embodied the guide approach. We have said, okay, if we can do anything we can to make them more successful, that they will be more able to grow their business and whatnot then we will have succeeded in our, in our objectives as well. And, and so that's what we built our entire mission on. So, so the, the genesis of, of REACH reporting really goes so much farther back than the true genesis of REACH reporting. It goes back to the genesis of, of Justin as an entrepreneur, because I felt that pain so blindingly that, that I, I can't forget those sleepless nights and those those hours I would sit watching the stock drop, you know, it, it was dropping 75,000. I was losing $75,000 a day uh, for about for for about a week, week and a half, I was losing $75,000 a day. And, and it's, it's just ether, like it, it was just gone, like it didn't it no longer except I was still on the hook for it. You know, but it was just gone, and and that pain, and that 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 it, it because of um, it was because of that pain that we were able to really recognize uh, that other people are experiencing the same thing, and we can help them. We can help save them from that by giving them information on a level that they can fully understand. Hence, the you know knowledge pyramid and all that other stuff. Yeah. I love that. That is a great story. Your, your uh, origin story. Let's talk a little bit about credibility marketing. Can you think of any examples within your business or other businesses you've seen of companies that have done a really good job of 
marketing their products through credibility? Um, so some of the areas that I've been very, very impressed with companies is, is how they apply social proof, how they apply testimonials and how they apply them in a way that targets the specific pain points that the people are in, in, dealing with. Everybody's seen the testimonials that are like, I can't believe how much my life has changed before. And, and, and you read them and the whole time you're like, there's no way that's real. Like, like that's, that's just absolutely not real. We got a, a testimonial one time um, from a lady who said, the kindest things about our software. And this was at a time that we were, we were just getting launched and, and we were, we, 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 we were unsure if whether we had found that product market fit. Um, you know, that, that experience where you, where you're, yeah. you think there's a big market, you've heard that there's a big market, you've done a bunch of research and everybody's telling you there's a big market, but when push comes to shove, Ultimately, if people pay, they pay. And if they don't pay, then you haven't found, you haven't found the right pain point yet or, or something's not, still not working. And when we started to find product market fit and started to realize this, this lady left a testimonial on our, on our site. And we didn't, we didn't ask for it. We do all the time, you know, full disclosure. We ask people, uh, we, we remind them, uh, you know, that we have a place you can, you can give testimonials and it seems like you're having a good experience. <laughs> could you, could you, could you, uh, could you tell people about your good experience? Well, this lady came and she, she talked about her plight, uh, her, her experiences and how, how the software that we're providing was, um, enormously impactful in helping her take her clients to the next level and to, to uh, get visibility. And I mean, she listed the, the, the three or four things that we set ourselves up as guides to try to do. And she listed them as though it was just textbook. It was almost like it was written. And, and it actually like, it was like an emotional experience for us to read it because we were like, somebody said something nice about us. Like, like that's, that's amazing. Like, like, are, are, is everything, and it wasn't, you know, my mom or, you know, one of my siblings, like it was somebody who, who didn't know us at all and, and stood nothing to gain from, from saying that nice, all that nice stuff. It's not, it's not like we gave it to her, you know, gave her the software if she would give us a free referral. So that alone um, has, has helped, again, been that catalyst to help us want to to get more like that. We tend, I mean, if, if, uh, if I consistently compliment you or laugh at, uh, or I compliment you on, on one area or I laugh at your jokes every time you tell a joke, we tend to do those things more often. You know, it's, it's again, especially evident in six-year-old, seven-year-old boys, you know, you laugh at their, their something funny that they did, buckle up because you are about to get so much of that uh, you are not going to be able to get away from that funny thing that they did. And, and that's, that's how our brains work. We tend to be uh, driven to, to do things that get us the dopamine boost that we want to get. However, that is, there's a, there's an entire, uh, well, there's probably a year of discussions on that subject of, of uh, validation and whatnot, but, but ultimately as we received this positive reinforcement, 
on the subject, we wanted to get that more often. We liked that dopamine. And so we really, really sought for that. And so in all of our content marketing, we, we targeted that very approach uh, to try to resonate with the, the users. Love it. So if people have, have watched the show or listened to the show and they've liked what they've heard, they're interested in reach reporting and they'd like to know more about signing up for your services, you want to give a, just a quick little pitch about what reach reporting does in a nutshell. Give us your elevator pitch and, and then let them know how they can, uh, can go sign up, I assume, for a, a free trial. Totally, yeah. Um, so reach is a dashboard it's, I mean, we don't really call it a BI solution, but I suppose it kind of is. Uh, but it's a dashboard and reporting solution that gives small businesses, medium businesses, and large businesses, startups, uh, the whole spectrum, an ability to understand and see their data in a way that is absolutely unique. We, we pull the data out of the accounting software and we, we apply it we paint it onto a series of reports and dashboards. And most of it's automated. Most of the process is automated. And so if, if you're ever looking for a deeper understanding of your business or feel like maybe you don't understand the balance sheet as well as you, you tell people you are understanding the balance sheet or you want to have a little bit deeper understanding about that, by all means, uh, feel free to, to use Reach um, to help you understand your business. Uh, what, we've, what we've looked at is we've said, if there is a way that we can absorb complexity so that you don't have to, we will have accomplished our goal. So, so what we do is we connect to your QuickBooks or your Xero or your accounting software, and we pull the data and we aggregate the data and we chop up the data and we put it into these amazingly beautiful reports and dashboards and you don't have to lift a finger. If you want to, amazing. The things you can do with, with your knowledge and, and with, with reach is so cool. We've seen the most intelligent human beings out there build the most amazing reports. People, reports that we could never build. We're not nearly that smart, but they've built these incredible reports because they have this unique skill set and they have this unique understanding and they take those things and put them together and and with the reach software they're able to really extend that so that's a little bit about reach feel free to go to reachreporting.com and and check us out uh, but ultimately that's what we do if uh, if you mention the show i will take really good care of you and uh yeah we uh we're we're definitely geeky we're Definitely geeky. We, we love it. We love building. We love building new technologies and, and advancements that, that make life easier legitimately. So that's kind of how we've, we've nerded out in this whole. Yeah. Sounds great. Um, any last things you'd like to share? Any questions I, you would have liked me to ask that I didn't ask? Um, No, I think, I, I mean, it, the, the questions you've asked are awesome. I think, I think there's a couple, I mean, it's, it's tough because, you know, we look at, we look at uh, saying, okay, what are, what are the five things that critically affected us? And as soon as we finish the fifth thing, we can think of then the sixth thing that was critical in this situation. And, and then as soon as we finish that, it goes on and on. And, and 
And so I, you know, I'll, one, I'll, I'll definitely leave some for future calls, but, but two, um, I think those, those things that we discussed are just, they've had such an impact on us and learning those principles has been absolutely critical. Grit and, and making the, the customer the hero instead of making us the hero. We always have this tendency to make ourselves the hero if we can avoid that. And then, and then remember that it's gonna be a lot longer road then, and, and you can't put a number to it. I mean, the, people have tried to say, okay, if a, if a developer tells you it'll take, you know, six weeks, it's, it's actually going to take you 12 weeks. It, it's, you can't, it's always evolving. But, but one thing for sure is um, Victor Frankl's Our Search for Happiness was, was a great, great book because it taught about how to endure hard things. And it's referring specifically to concentration camps, but I mean, you can't just be an optimist. You can't be a pessimist. You, there's things you have to do that are unique. That if you don't do them, you will fail. And and yes, it comes down to grit, but it also comes down to mindset. It comes down to work ethic. There's so many little components that are absolutely critical as you as you go through that process of of constructing something great taking things that are in chaos and organizing them into something amazing is not for the faint of heart. And, and, you know, there's the cliche thing that says, Oh, if somebody, if, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, if it was easy and obvious, it would be done already. And, and there is something that you or or your listeners can do that nobody else can do. Literally nobody else has those same skill sets that they have. And I think the key is recognizing what, what two or three things, what two or three skill sets that they have that could be so impactful where they could have an effect that is a dramatic and meaningful effect on, on an industry, on a, on a market, on a person, on a, on a vertical, whatever. But ultimately it comes down to self-actualization and realizing, okay, what am I really good at? And what can I really do? And where can I really, uh, one of my favorite sayings is lift where you stand. And it goes back to a story, an anecdote that was told about a, about um, moving a piano and is moving this huge piano. And, and one of the guys just kind of uh, came and, and said, you know, actually, um, why don't we all just go up against the piano and just lift? Everybody, everybody, everybody lift where you stand. And, and, and I think what's the effect that that's had on me is I've recognized that if I can simply lift where I stand, nobody else is lifting right here. I'm the only one. And if I can really lift that I'm going to get stronger, I'm going to get better at it. I'm going to get, I'm going to be able to do something nobody else can do because I'm the only one right here on this part of the piano right now at this time. And, and so, you know, there's all these valuable lessons you can learn, but but it comes down to grit, it comes down to humility, and it comes down to lifting really hard when it comes time to lift. Thank you, Justin, for sharing your stories and secrets with us today. Here are some of the key takeaways from today's episode that stood out to me. Number one, we can utilize tools such as reach reporting software to understand our business and make informed data-driven decisions. Number two, after we've gone through hard times, we can use the knowledge we've gained to help others in similar situations. Number three, we should realize and accept that the road to success is going to be a long one. Number four, it's going to take grit 
a good mindset, humility, and a strong work ethic to endure hard things. Number five, the more knowledge we have, the more we'll be able to assess the risks before us and make informed decisions. No matter how much we know, we can always learn more. Number six, let's make sure we make the customer the hero in our storytelling. Number seven, we should seek testimonials from our customers. Not only do they boost confidence in our products and services, but they're also great for grabbing the attention of potential customers. To learn more about or connect with Justin and his company, please visit reachreporting.com or visit the blog uh, for this episode and you'll see a link to Justin Hatch's LinkedIn page. Did you like today's episode? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, get a free monetization assessment of your business. Subscribe to the Monetization e-magazine or follow the Monetization Nation blog at monetizationnation.com. Number two, please subscribe to the Monetization podcast or YouTube channel. Number three, follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. What have you learned from a risk you or others have taken? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you have a fabulous day. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.